This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, October 28, 2018. Life Ghouls, Vampires. So good morning again, Connection. And those who are joining us online, my name's Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? Almighty God, we thank you so much for today. It's a day that you've made, and it's a day where we get to be in your presence together as a community of faith. Settle us in that we might be changed and transformed by your word. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and by the Holy Spirit. Everybody agreed and said, amen. amen. So vampires, you know, like Dracula, somebody sucking somebody's blood to survive. For today, a slight alteration to the definition. Instead of somebody literally sucking your blood, this morning we're talking about those people, those situations, those life experiences that drain you, that exhaust you, that, that suck the life right out of you and leave you dry and empty. I think we've all had those experiences. We've all had people in our lives who are like this. And at one point or another, it's very likely that we've been this type of person for somebody else. Uh, I know I have, and maybe you have as well. And so if you've ever had young children, you might know what it feels like to be drained and perhaps have that feeling of being sucked dry. You know, they no fill, offense, kids. You know, no offense. They fill that vampire role without even <laughs> realizing it. I mean, it's just how it is. We had three kids under the age of five before Turner came along seven years later. And... I must admit, many days there was not much left at the end of the day. <laughs> Perhaps your daily schedule is the vampire in your life. Uh, you know, trying to get everybody to all the places they need to be. And, uh, of course, that would include your job. And where you're never probably fully caught up on deadlines, phone calls, texts, emails, the list goes on. Never to meet, able to meet those unrealistic expectations of others. And... Maybe more challenging, the un, uh, those uh, uh, unrealistic expectations that you place on yourself. So that at the end of the day, whatever isn't done gets uh, pushed to the next day's already overloaded to-do list. And that finish line gets ever further, further toward never, never land, sucking you dry that much more. And how many shopping days till Christmas? Speaking of vampires that can suck you dry. <laughs> well, then there's people who suck the life out of us, draining us in a lot of different ways, usually not on purpose and often not even realizing that that's what they're doing, the effect that they're having. For example, there are those intruders, intruders who offer unsolicited advice, overstepping boundaries, sharing opinions that you didn't really ask for, and sometimes they're also highly critical of, uh, and they find fault with everything and everyone. Mm. Closely related are the CNCs. Those are the chronically negative complainers. The glass half empty people, uh, the ones who the, 
They'd rather focus on the problem rather than working to find a solution. And in addition to them, we have the actors. <laughs> you know, there's always a lot of drama. And they want to suck you into the production of making mountains out of mohills, molehills, all the time. And then there are the pointers, those who are unable to accept responsibility. And they point to everyone else but themselves and blame others for what's going on in their lives. Now, nearby, the pointers are the victims. You know, that universe revolves around them, and everybody in it is against them. And we can't forget the hammers. <laughs> They're the ones who just keep hammering at you, relentlessly pushing their agenda, demanding and persistent, and won't take no for an answer. Sound like salesmen, don't they? Yeah. Whew. So I was in sales, so it's okay, you know? Yeah. <laughs> So the list goes on. I, I think you get the point. The real challenge is, like we've said before, each one of us, when I went through that list, you might have thought of a vampire or two in your life. You might have associated a name with some of those descriptions. But watch out. Somebody else's vampire might be you. It might be me. Yeah. Oh, that sounded like you were... No, it might be any one of us. That's yeah. the challenge. That was a good catch. You know, this vampire thing's not anything new. We look in the scriptures. It's all through the Bible. Good example we find in the book of Numbers. That's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. I think it's the fourth book of the Old Testament. Numbers 11, 4 through 6. The rabble, say rabble. The rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. This is hilarious. No cost, they were slaves. What more cost is there than your life, not your own? No cost. Say no cost. And then say ha ha. Okay, there we go. We ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and that garlic. <laughs> but now we've lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. So the Israelites are in the desert, and they've been traveling in that desert for about a year. Back at the beginning of their adventure, when people cried out to Moses for food, God gave them manna. Manna was this mysterious substance that happened every morning, and it was their it was it fed them, and it gave them exactly what they needed. No, not too much, not too little. It was just what they needed. And apparently, they were growing tired of it. So, the rabble that is referred to in this scripture, um, BibleTrekToday.com, describes the rabble as people who lived on the fringes of this camp where the Israelites were. Often they weren't true Israelites, but they had also come along with them to avoid the slavery in Egypt. And they were following God's people, although not always having a true relationship with the God of Israel. These were the troublemakers. 
They were the instigators. They were the vampires, if you will, who sucked the life out of Moses by stirring the pot of discontentment among everyone else. Rabble. That's where we get the term rabble rouser. You might have heard that. Someone who stirs up trouble. Yeah. So Moses turns to God. <laughs> you know what's hilarious is they're complaining after a year. They got another 39 years of manna. <laughs> they think a year's a lot of manna. They haven't seen anything, have they? Anyway, Moses turns to God and, and God delivers and, and flocks of quail come in. There's so much quail. God's so fed up. He says, it comes out their nose. They eat so much quail. It's a, it must have been quite a scene. But God delivers the quail to more than satisfy their cry for meat. But it won't be the last time the vampires strike. And it won't be the last time that Moses turns to God for help. So we find another example of this in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is in the Old Testament. And according to BibleHistory.com, this date is exact according to this website, July 10th, 586 B.C. I find it amazing that such accurate history was kept. The Babylonian forces of King Nebuchadnezzar invaded Jerusalem. The city was burned, the walls were torn down, and many of the people were deported to Babylon. They, had to, they were forced out of their country, of their land. Now, Nehemiah, he was a Jew living in Babylon. He was a servant to the king. He felt called to rebuild the wall in Jerusalem. They were no longer under the foreign rule, and so... He prayed, Nehemiah prays for four months about this before he ever asked the permission of the king. Well, he did get the king's permission along with some resources for the rebuild. So check out the vampires that Nehemiah is facing in this endeavor. When San Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He he ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble, burned as they are? Tobiah, the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down the wall of stones. Nehemiah then prays to God and says, Hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give, give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. Wow. Wow. Hmm. We are despised. seems like this scripture is pretty appropriate for today. It's a reminder that the Jews have had a, a plight for forever. Anyway, Sambalot, he was a Samaritan leader. And he and Tobiah and others, they were in opposition to Nehemiah returning home and rebuilding the wall. They were vampires trying to suck the life out of Nehemiah 
end his project, but Nehemiah turned to the Lord. He turned to the Lord for strength and courage and was able to overcome their plans. In fact, when the wall was half finished, they were at it again. They started um, stirring up trouble again. And Nehemiah and his company, what they did again was pray to God. I'm sure they never stopped, but they probably kicked the prayers up even more. And they posted a guard by day and by night. And the workers, they carried materials with one hand and a weapon in the other hand. And that wall was completed in record time, 52 days. Nehemiah was faithful, and so was God. And so over and over again, we read about these kinds of vampires in Scripture. Jesus was surrounded by them, especially the Pharisees, keepers of the religious law. They repeatedly questioned Jesus, hounded Jesus, working to discredit him, dishonor him, disempower him. For example, we read in Matthew 22, 15 to 22, then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, say evil intent, evil intent, said, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. And so they brought him a denarius. And he asked them, whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. He said to them, so give back to Caesar what is Caesar and to God what is God. Don't you just love how Jesus deals with these guys? He's absolutely incredible. And when they heard this, they were amazed. And so they left him and went away. But they would be back. <laughs> the Pharisee vampires were relentless, questioning Jesus at every move that Jesus made. Remember when Jesus healed on the Sabbath and the, and the Pharisees viewed that as sin, Jesus viewed it as mercy. Mm. You know, sometimes the crowds were kind of vampire-like, not, not maliciously, but just, you know, when you get a crowd of people wanting to be healed, I mean, after a while, it kind of drains you, you know? It's draining. It's not malicious. It's just a fact of life, and uh, that would happen. You'd see Jesus then go to the mountain and pray because that's how he got restoration. That's where he restored his spirit after he'd been, you know... Um, Sucked dry. Another example, after Jesus fed a crowd, story in the Bible, and all, the, all four of the uh, stories about Jesus in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all four of them talk about where uh, he fed a crowd of 5,000 men in addition to women and children. He, he did it starting with just uh, five little loaves of bread and a couple of fish. Wow, it's a heck of a story, but check out what happened. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, feeding the people, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, 
withdrew again to a mountain by himself and prayed. Do you ever have somebody try to force you into something that you really didn't, that wasn't your agenda, that wasn't your direction, that wasn't what you intended to do? It can be draining, can't it? And that's what we have here. The crowds, they didn't intend, I don't think, to be a vampire, but they were going to, they were trying to take Jesus in a direction that, that wasn't where he was going to go. And so he kind of had to set up some boundaries. Important thing. And the way he did it, he withdrew to avoid what he knew what direction they were going to try and push him. And in addition, we put in little brackets at the end there. That's not actually part of John, but I put it on because in two of the other versions of this story, uh, Matthew and Mark, they tell us not only did he go to the mountain, to be, but he went there too to pray, to pray. Another example is Psalm 18. Psalms were written by David, you know, David and Goliath, shepherd boy David, David who became the king of Israel. Many of the Psalms were written by him, and he wrote them in response to the Lord delivering him from his vampires, from his enemies that included King Saul. King Saul would had a jealous rage, and he even threw a spear at David with every intention of killing him. So check this out, Psalm 18, verses 1 through 3. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. You know, if you're ever feeling attacked, those are some good lines of scripture to read and to say. Mm. I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. Mm. I called to the Lord. Amen, amen. So, so okay, so what are we going to do? What are we going to do with the vampires? I mean, they're not going to just disappear, are they? And we're not going to be able to disappear either. We can't just ignore everybody. They're part of our lives. So what do we do? Well, in the scriptures, it seems like they constantly went to prayer, didn't they? I think every example we had today, prayer came into play. Well, duh, hey, we're in church. That makes sense, right? Of course we had prayer. That's, that's the foundation. That's the basis. But then the question, okay, we pray to God, but then the question is, what do we pray for? What direction do, should we take that prayer? Well, we encourage you five things today. There's more. We could have had 10, we could have had 15, but boil this down to five basics. And the first one is this. And this is probably a good thing to always start our prayer with, other than saying, God, how great you are. But we pray to God for Christ-like compassion, mercy, and, and grace. And, and, you know, generally speaking, the people around us, they're not intentionally being vampires for the most part. They're not purposely draining us. They're not strategically trying to suck us dry, are they? It's not there. You know, they don't go wake up in the morning and say, you know what? I'm going to be Carrie's vampire today. I'm going to see to it by the end of the day. she got nothing left. I don't, think, I don't think that's how it works. And so we need to approach these guys with the love of Christ, approach them positively, even when that is a challenge. We got to approach them expecting something good is going to come out of our time together somehow. We need to pray that God will help us have that agape, unconditional love 
for that other person, that agape love that we talk about all the time here at Connection. Amen. And so with that agape, unconditional love in mind, the second suggestion would be that we would pray to ask God for help with whatever boundaries we might need to put in place. I'd say might need. You see, one boundary might be if when someone needs to talk, we need to make sure that, I mean, if we already know that there's, you know, kind of a vampire type thing going on, we need to make sure that we're in the right frame of mind. Because the worst thing would be to have a conversation when we aren't thinking right, when our heart isn't right. Nothing good can come. You cannot put toothpaste back into the tube. And so set up some boundaries. Make sure that you are in a right frame of mind to talk. Now, if someone's long-winded and you know that you're going to have contact with them, do say like, hey, I, I would love to talk, but I have 20 minutes right now. So And do it that way. Instead of starting to get frustrated and angry, that's not good. Just set up a time boundary. Let them know that, you know, what, what you have, what time you have. If someone is overly negative, redirect the conversation. Don't buy into it. That kind of thing is contagious, but also being positive can be contagious as well. So try to turn the conversation. Redirect the conversation. If someone talks negatively about someone else, we would suggest to just straight up, lovingly, say that you're not going to go there. Just say, you know what? Not going to mm -hmm. go into this conversation, not going to go there, and, and kind of stick to that. Boundaries are important, and sometimes they're crucial. Mm. So I'll give you a, kind of a, a real-life example of what Carrie's talking about here. Um, now, it's nobody from this congregation, so don't look around or don't, you know, start going through your mental index. Um, I have a friend who, um, yeah, kind of long-winded, and in addition to long-winded, the conversations are usually kind of what I would call a monologue. They're kind of one-sided, and, 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 and this person just, just, you know, gets started and just gets rolling and talking, and so knowing that, again, I, if I saw that he was calling, I would, I would decide, do I have the time now to faithfully pay or am I you know going to be thinking about the 200 other things I got and if so I would maybe not take the call and then call him back later maybe when I had a lot of more time or when I'd be freer to not have other things I'm thinking about so so one night it happened and I I was in Dover I thought okay we're a great time to call so I called because I was going to be going from Dover all the way to Middletown and I'm driving and you know it's it's going through the system in the car so I'm able to talk to him although I really didn't have to talk to him because from Dover to Middletown, I said one word. My word was, he asked me a question. He said, are you still there? And I said, yes. <laughs> and he got back on track. <laughs> and, you know, is the guy I'm talking about is a great guy. He just, you know, just he gets rolling and gets talking and gets and and what's interesting though is um, uh, with time he's called less and less and, and actually got to this week and this wasn't in prep for this but I got thinking about him 
And we hadn't talked for a while. I thought, I'll give him a call. I thought, wow, isn't that a switch? And then not only that, we didn't talk for a half an hour. It probably wasn't even five minutes. I found myself wanting to talk more when he said, well, okay, I'll see you later. Goodbye. I thought, wow, isn't God incredible? Because God completely changed my heart from being, okay, uh, to being, gosh, I'd like to talk to this guy a little bit more. Isn't that wild what God can do when we give things over to him? Yeah. So how do we handle the vampires in our life? We said we always have to cover everything in prayer, have Christ-like compassion, grace, and mercy for God to show what boundaries may be needed. And next of all, we're suggesting that you ask God to help you get honest with yourself. Sometimes when we're in these relationships that we feel sucked dry in, sometimes we have set up this codependent relationship without even realizing it. And we perhaps have even made that person a little bit dependent on us, and then we feel kind of good or not so, I don't know what it is, but it's really important to take a good look at ourselves and to um, see things as they really are. Perhaps we're thinking that that other person is sucking us dry and all we need to do is look in the mirror and see ourselves as a vampire. Take an honest look. Fourth, sometimes uh, uh, the vampires aren't just uh, uh, sucking us dry, but they're almost attacking us. They're, you know, we're the, we're the center of their, what they have to say. And, and, and so our challenge then would be to try to listen carefully and not take it personally, if at all possible, unless maybe we should. Maybe the person's trying to share something about you, about me, that we really need to hear, even though it's painful. Maybe they're telling us something that we do or what we say or how we act that we maybe really should pay attention to and, and consider making, making a little change. Maybe, in effect, we're the vampire, so to speak, and they're, they're letting us know that. And so we encourage you to try to maybe hold things at arm's length at all possible. Don't let them eat you up right away. Kind of look at it objectively, if at all possible. Keep the emotions in check and maybe learn something from what they're trying to share with you. And then our fifth suggestion for today and our final one is to recognize that we cannot change other people. We said this last week. You can't change the other person. And God made each one of us so special and different. It would be so boring if everybody was the same. Know that somebody else is not going to see the world the same way you do. Thank heavens for that. Hmm. And maybe your prayer would be that God would change your heart to accept the person for who they are and to give you the necessary patience to actually enjoy and appreciate them for who they are. You know, ultimately, our, our mission is to connect people with Jesus and the new life he offers, right? Say it with me. Connect people with Jesus and the new life he offers. That's our mission. And sometimes in these vampires in our lives kind of hinder us in that mission, don't they? Think about this. Um, sometimes... They are actually the very people 
who God wants us to do the connecting with, to help them get connected. Keep that in mind. And so we encourage you to love them. Love them. Love them. Set boundaries if necessary. And always prayerfully seek God. God's help, God's strength, God's discernment, God's grace, God's mercy, God's wisdom, God's direction, and overall of everything, God's love. Say God's love. God's love with the vampires in your life. As believers, we are given what we need, and it's called fruit of the Spirit. And it's the fruit in us that helps us respond in a way that's godly. Galatians 22, or Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These fruit, they're available to each one of us. And if you're a little low in one area, pray for more. And God will help you as you deal with the vampires in your life. That's the good news. Let's believe it and let's live it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, we are so grateful for today to be together and to talk about how to handle um, difficult people. And God, also help us take a realistic look at ourselves. Thank you for those gathered here today and those who are watching us online. May we be vessels of your love and of your grace. May we be light in a dark, dark world. We thank you and praise you in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody agreed and said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.